1: Beauty Marketing Simplified, and I'm here with another fabulous beauty boss. It's going to tell you about her adventures and her inspiration and all the twists and turns of growing her beauty business. And it's Jennifer Louise. Welcome. Hey, April. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, me too. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Like give us the, you know, 30 second to minute story about growing your business.
2: Okay. So I wear a few hats in business. Number one and most importantly ever, I'm a mum to two children. Um, I have a salon. So obsession salon. I've had that for 17 wonderful years. Um, I'm the CEO of the successful salon club and I'm a co-founder of the level up business academy, public speaker, um, award winning public speaker. And what else am I? It's like this whole (laughs) massive list. Oh, best-selling international author in six countries, number one. Lots and lots of stuff. Lots of fun stuff. That's so exciting. So how did you start? Well, okay. So my journey actually began um, quite organically and naturally, really. So at the grand old age of 14, I decided that I was going down the wrong life path. I quickly realized that that was going to not serve me for the rest of my life. And I needed to kind of get out of there. But I didn't have the strength to continue in that school and not mix with that crowd. So I quit school as you do at the age of 14. <laughs> um, and then I pretended, so I went out and got this Saturday job. I was like, dad, I need a Saturday job. He's like, no, you don't, wouldn't let me. So I pretended to take my sister out for the day. Walked well, Every shop, I like, do you need somebody? Can I work for you? Bagged two jobs that day. One was maiding. Felt like that was going to be really hard work. One was a hairdressing Saturday girl felt like that was going to be potentially easier. Um, Boy, was I wrong. And so my career started the very next Saturday in this salon, not knowing what on earth I was doing, quickly told them that I was 16 when I was only 14. And they put me through an apprenticeship. So the whole time I was supposed to be going to school, I was actually going to the college that was next door to my school, God knows how I got away with that for an entire year. Um, and started to do my mbq which is what we do in the uk and um yeah and then a year later was found out forced back into mainstream school um however the new school allowed me to just take less dcse and do my mbq at the same time so i owe my entire career to that headmaster who was just wonderful uh, allowing me to do that um and that's where the journey began really and this kind of obsession with just following my own path and knowing that I can do anything and everything. And not only was I a school dropout, I'm dyslexic. So everything was really hard. Um, but yeah, I just pushed through and the career began there. And then I worked, um, for a few salons, I met a boss that was just crazy, crazy lady. Um, one minute really, really lovely and so kind and caring and nurturing. Then really weird and angry and screaming and shouting and just like this multiple personality disorder, which made me think I hated hairdressing and I've made the wrong career um, choice. And so then ended up working in some bars and training as a door woman. (laughs) And that was like a career change. And then I had my child and the partner, my father of my children said, you know, no, no more working on the door. It's dangerous. Back into hairdressing. Um, and then that salon was up for sale and I thought, geez, I'm going to lose my job. So I bought it. And that's where it all started.
1: Wow. What a great adventure. And it's interesting because I bet you, you took some of those parts to help, you know, with running the salon. When So you were just, you know, some people people start from the ground up in terms of like they're they're getting, you know, the licensing for the shop or they're, you know, building out regulation for the shop. So you were really just kind of thrown straight into the fire. It wasn't really that slow build. What lessons did you have with, you know, it's hard to say like, you know, what you m- might have done differently. Um, but what lessons did you have from just going straight into you bought a shop that's already going?
2: Yeah. So actually, what I was buying was myself, right? Because I was working in the shop. And I tried very hard to get a different premises I was like okay this someone's up for sale I'm gonna go do my own thing and every premises I went to I kept getting like knocked out and I'd laid money down and I was losing my savings very rapidly so I think we'd done like by this point we'd done two premises laid down money got solicitors involved and then got knocked out of the game by somebody else and I remember being just really like oh is this ever gonna happen for me I don't want to pay I think we paid like thirty thousand pounds for the salon, but ultimately I was paying for myself. And what there was only two stylists, me and this other guy, and he was coming with me. So like I felt like I didn't want to pay, um, for me. Like it was ridiculous. Um, but in the end, I remember getting really upset with a lady that's got um like a really cute little cafe next to the salon, and she said to me, "Just paying the money, like." You're halting your career. Just get on with it. So I did. I paid him the money. I've never looked back ever. I've learned some massive lessons along the way. And there's been some amazing times and there's been some really low times. But yeah, I think the thing for me, probably starting out, I suppose, plan out exactly what you want and go for it. Like if you want to buy the shop that you're working in, then or by the business that you're working in. Don't mess around trying to find something else. Just get on and do it and don't waste that time and that money elsewhere.
1: Yeah, I think that's such a great point because we always think we're afraid we're going to make the wrong decision, first of all. So then we make no decision, which is absolutely the wrong decision, right? Like, you know, we take no action. We just kind of stay frozen. I say it's like the analysis paralysis, right? We just are frozen and trying to overanalyze the pros and the cons And you never really know until you just do it. And then whatever you decide, you'll make the most of it. And even if there is a little bit of a, you know, quote, mistake or failure, you learn from it and then you move forward. And I think what I love about what you just said is that you had that somebody... Because we all need like that kind of kick in the pants, somebody to say, just do it already, right? Like we need that assurance and push to just get there because we will overthink it all day long
2: yeah i think we strive for perfection though especially when it's something as massive as buying a business or buying a house or you know you're parting with a lot of cash and you know back then 30,000 pounds to me was a huge amount of money i mean we're talking nearly 20 years ago and you know i was a young mum we we owned our own home but we didn't have a lot of cash so that was a lot of money and yeah. i've come from nothing and i think the thing is like i think because we always strive for that perfection, we just, we hold ourselves back. And one of the things that one of my mentors always says to me is, Jennifer, perfection is poverty. Just do it. Oh, so, love that. Yeah. Good one.
1: Perfection, perfection is, is poverty. poverty. Yeah. Well, as someone said the other day, and I love this, and it was, did you hear the story of the perfect perfectionist?
2: <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> no. You didn't hear it because it doesn't exist, right? There's no perfect perfectionist. So just get started. So, all right. So then now you're, you have this salon, you're trying to grow this business. How do you manage? Cause you don't, you know, and as all of us, when we start our business, we don't have the experience, right? We've never done it before. Obviously that's the excitement and the challenge, Most of us didn't learn how to do it or take any courses, right? It's kind of these life lessons that we're going through, right? It's the biggest journey. How did you start to grow the business? Let's start from there.
2: Okay, so the truth is I couldn't tell you. I actually don't know. So I got through the first 10 years, and I'm pretty much at that point what what I call an upper. So I rock up, I cut a bit of hair, I cash up, I lock up. Like literally an upper. I didn't know anything about running a business. Um, I barely held team meetings. I didn't know how to do literally anything. And I didn't know that I didn't know half the stuff that I didn't know. And that's okay. Okay. We all are at that point when we first own a business. But then I got a rude awakening 10 years into running the business. And all of a sudden I realized that the business was just stagnant. It wasn't moving anywhere. And it was really stressing me out because I was like, Well, I've done really well. I've got to this point, but why are we not moving the needle on this damn thing? Why is it not like gathering momentum now? Like ten years in, everyone says, "Oh my god, if you survive ten years, well done, that's amazing. Like you've survived business life. It's all going to be cool from there." Yeah, and I'm thinking. Well, it's not cool, is it? Because it's not moving. Like, I'm not making any more money. Then at that point, realized I need a business coach, right? I need someone to help me. And there's this guy who's a friend of my ex-husband, and he's, like, running this really successful golf club. And I'm, like, speaking to him, and he's talking my language. He's talking to me about business. And this is the first person ever because I'm surrounded. Like, my family do not want anything to do with business. Like, you get a job. Job to me is just over broke, And I don't want to be in that position. My friends were all friends that I'd made along the way from the bars or mainly the bars and maybe one of the hairdressers that I worked in. So they were all in jobs. So I had nobody around me running businesses, doing that stuff. And then this friend of my ex-husband's is like talking business and I'm like literally like, Tell me more. Like, I am so, like, consumed by all this conversation. And so he says, oh, do you want help? Can I help you? I'm like, yes, I do, because I'm stuck in there. I really need help. Thank you. And so he comes into the business and he does this whole hmm, hmm thing as he spends some time in the business and he's putting together this plan. And he's like, right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to build this amazing loyalty scheme. We're going to reward the clients for keep coming back because I think we're losing clients at the third, fourth visit. So I'm listening to this going, okay, this guy really knows his stuff. And then I trust him, right? And I let him put this reward system in and this reward system goes in to all of my client base at the same time. What he didn't think about was planning out when they were going to hit the absolute jackpot with the big reward, which ended up being in December. Now, back then, December carried my January. And literally, right at the end of December, I'm like partying like mad in my office going, oh, my God, have you seen the amount of bums on seats out there? It's really busy. I'm really excited. I'm like super pumped in my office. And then in comes my reservationist. And I'm like, hey, Nick, you okay? She says, um... Can we chat? Uh you know what a business owner, when someone says or one of your team says, Can we chat? It's like, she's leaving uh, I, Oh my God. Like, now are you joking? Like, cool Nick, what well, yeah, what's going on? And Like, if you ever met Nick, she's the most put-together woman. Like, this beautiful black suit, this black shiny bob that literally glistens, this cute little fringe. She's always got her little badge proudly on her her lapel. She's, like, love. She's the front of house. Like, she absolutely walks and talks obsession salon. And she's, like, literally holding herself, kind of shaking with this paper. What's up? She said, "Um, have you seen the discount report for December? I was like, no, should I? Yeah, every single guest that's come through the door has had 50% off and there's not going to be enough money to pay January. Now in January, because I pay my team every four weeks, I've got two wage bills going out, a VAT bill to the Batman and a personal tax bill and no cash. So I'm about to lose everything at this point. So I'm like, no, you've got to, you've gotta be kidding me. You've got this wrong, and I'm on the phone to Rob, and of course Rob's not answering the bloody phone because he's realised what's gonna happen, and he's no longer taking my calls and he has disappeared off the face of the earth. Oh, <laughs> so I'm in this mess on my own, and I'm thinking, right, okay, my dad's really straight talking. So I zip round to my dad's house and I'm like, Dad, help me. I don't know what to do. Like, I know he's not going to give me any knowledgeable advice, but I thought he would give me like a proper sharp slap around the face. And my God, that he did. I was like, help me. I've messed up. I don't know how I've gotten to this point. I've put my trust in somebody. I don't know what to do. Please help me. And he was like, are you kidding me? No. What do you mean? No. Like, I need your help. And he said, Jem, You took two years to learn how to do hairdressing. You have spent no time, zero time, learning how to run a business. And yet you've got people's lives at stake at this. You go and learn how to run a bloody business or you get out. And I was like, okay. Um, Right, now's not the time to be cross with me. I'm not cross. I'm disappointed that you've put yourself and other people in this position. Right, okay. Big girl pants go on and off I go. And I just became obsessed because he was right you know, I've not done any business training, and yet I'm employing people. I'm paying their mortgages, their food bills, their family, and I don't actually know what I'm doing. And so that was it. That was like a red flag to a ball. Every podcast I could consume, I was like on speed read, every book, every seminar I could find, I just did absolutely anything and everything. I worked myself into the ground. Um, And I remember sitting in the salon at one point thinking, I've got to tell everybody that we're not going to be able to do this. I don't, I actually don't know what to do. And as I looked around the salon, I realized to myself, everyone in this salon is here because of that damn discount. They don't care about my brand. They're here because they're getting money off. I've got like this whole culture inside this business of like discount, discount, discount. And, I remember sitting there thinking to myself, you know, thank you God for allowing me to have this epiphany right at the very moment where I'm going to close my business. That you can just tell me what I've done wrong. Amazing, great. But the saving grace at that very moment, that that moment came for me. The door swung open, and I've got this really annoying like bibob thing that goes when everyone opens the door, and so my I snapped my attention round, and I remember looking at this door and in literally, I mean, she didn't, but she did for me, floated like an angel, this woman. And she had this snowy white chin length bob with this little side fringe that graced the top of her eyebrow. This really long, expensive camel coat that literally just touched the top of her Jimmy Choo. And she floated over to the reception desk and she just booked up like a whole month's worth of appointments, weekly blow dryers, cut and colors. And I was like, who is this woman? Well, this woman's name was Sue. And at that very moment in time, I was like, these are the people I don't want. That's the person I do want. That's the person that can afford the the business that I want to have. And I need to change this business to serve that person. So Sue quickly became... The biggest asset we own in business and she was everything so whatever we did in business was for her we rebranded we redecorated the coffee that we serve is for sue the music that we play is for sue the way my team dress in the morning is for sue and she has literally become an asset within the salon and she said i mean she doesn't know she's still a client in my salon today in fact i spoke to her on the phone yesterday to rebook her appointment because we're in lockdown so she's like the first person that i ring like would you want it Like, when do you want? You can have whatever you want. And then, yeah, she saved that business and saved everything for everyone. But one day I will tell her. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And she's actually what the book's about.
1: That is amazing. And I love how you brought that story to life. Like I could really visualize it. I could see it. That's so good. And so when you're thinking about So that the big obvious, maybe not so obvious, so maybe I should say point of that is not only no business, but also your client avatar of who are you wanting to come into your business? Like, who do you want to be your ideal client? We call it your very best client, right? And so, and I think it's funny because we've all done those exercises of who is your ideal client and we think about it, but then very few things change to attract that client. So I love that you said the coffee we serve is going to change. Like not only the, the external, not only the look, but the overall everything is changing about
2: how you serve Sue. Yeah. I mean, I stalked her for 12 weeks literally so every time she was in the salon i was asking her loads of questions like oh it's my stepmom's birthday where would you buy some really nice jewelry and where would you buy some really nice makeup and where do you buy your groceries and do you fancy going out for wine where would you suggest i was just asking her everything where does she shop where does she eat where does she drink wine with her girlfriends but where does she drink wine with her husband where does she go for lunch where does she go for dinner? Where does she go for coffee? Like I wanted to just get inside her world and understand the emotional buy-in cycle. And when I figured out that, you know, people don't just, the currency of the world is not the pound, the dollar, the euro. The currency is an emotional currency. It's the heartbeats in the brands that people buy into. And so the whole business and what I coach my clients is buying into your brand. You want clients that that buy into the brand and that we tip into becoming raving fans because then the business grows quicker because the ideal clients are helping you like a little mini army of marketers all around you growing that business with you. And it's so easy to then grow, scale and expand. But if you don't do that work in the beginning and really understand who that ideal client is, me, for those 10 years, let me just say, had no clue, you end up with what I got, a dying business that you just have no momentum behind and no idea where it's even going. So I do believe that your biggest asset in anyone's business is the ideal client. And that's why I go really deep in my training, really deep layers, understanding her, peeling back the emotions, you know, not only where does she shop and what car does she drive or where does she live or does she own her own home? They're all the things that most coaches teach you, but I'm looking at the stuff, you know, underneath the layers. What's the emotion? What's the pain? What is she saying to herself in the mirror when she gets up in the morning and life's not so rosy for her? What's the BS running round in her head? And by BS, I'm talking belief systems. What's the limiting belief around her hair that she's been told by all those other stylists that didn't get it right so that we get it right? It's all those layers that you need to really peel back. And when you do that and you get that right, oh, my goodness. I've got clients that drive for over an hour and a half just to come and get a haircut in my business because they've seen a post on Instagram that's spoken directly to them because it's meant to speak directly to them. I don't talk to anybody else. Does it mean that that's the only person, the only type of client I collect inside my business? No, it doesn't. We collect lots of different clients and each of my team all have their own ideal clients. I can walk down the street and literally I know this so well. I know my team inside and out, and I can be like, that's the client for Sophie, that's the client for, for Chloe, that's the client for Nick, that's a client for Jin. Like I just by looking at the clients, and they don't even have to have a conversation with me. I can tell which client is for which stylist. And of course, by making sure that we understand that and getting the right stylist for that client every time means the client gets the right person to do the right job. And we hit the nail on the head more times than not, which is really important. Yeah, I love that. I love all
1: of the psychology that goes into buying behaviors. I also am just, I love to nerd out on like, why people do what they do and what motivates people to, you know, come in, buy, be loyal, all of those things. I always feel like that is super important. And so when you're creating like even your Instagram post, what are some, can you give some examples of like how you speak to them?
2: Yeah. So a lot of it's their language. So let's talk about my Instagram bio straight away because that's something that you can all go and have a look at and figure out really, really quickly. So the Instagram page for the salon is obsessions dot salon, okay and if you look at the very first line of the bio it's it should be telling you what we do as a business. So anyone's first line should tell you what do, what do you do as a business? Why should I pay you instead of the person down the street that does the same thing? So in our Instagram bio, it says helping local women go from feeling dull and unglamorous to loving themselves again. Now, why on earth would I choose those words? Well, they're the words that come out of Sue's mouth. Every time we come, well, the last time we come back out of lockdown, I was listening at reception desk one day and I was like, what is everybody saying? And all I kept hearing was I feel dull, I feel unglamorous, I just want to love myself again. And so I used their words in the posts. I make sure that I replicate their language and all of my team do the same thing. So when we're having consultations, we're constantly noting down what's being said in the consultations, and then that will get typed up into notes on the computer system at the end of the day, which means that we can collate anything that's going up Time and time again, we write in a little book, which is like our posting book, which means that we use those words on text messages, emails, anything that goes out because we're talking to them using their words. The very first post that I put out on Instagram Um, and I'm going to try and remember the exact words, and um, forgive me, because it probably won't be exactly correct, because this was about two, three years ago now. But the very first post that we put out that I realized how it was connecting that we got our first client that was an hour and a half away. And that was just me opening up. That was, I know my ideal client is a 40 year old woman, who feels that they need to, just lighten up sometimes, like hair's dragging us down. We just need to uplift ourselves and lighten up. And so they were the wording that I was using on the post. So it was kind of like a, what did I write? Have you ever felt like you need to lighten up? Hashtag lighten up. And then I was just speaking to, yeah, me too, believe it or not, even though I own a salon, sometimes I still feel like I need to lighten up too um and then I spoke about me a, a conversation that I had with one of my team. you know, I had really long, dark hair, I've always got bright red red nails, red lips, red bottom soles that's what I'm known for, and I was giving this crap over that I couldn't cut my hair and go slightly lighter because. That's not what everybody expects from me. And so I dialogued the conversation of my team saying, you know, that's rubbish. Get in the chair. Um, Dialogued that it took two hours because I didn't want people thinking, you know, it's just going to be a five minute job. I just spoke to the guest, the client in the language that they needed to hear and answered all the pre-opposing objective questions. So all the things that were all the questions that would be running around our head. Well, how long does it take? Probably won't have the time for that. Oh, I won't buy. I answered it. Or oh, how much is it? I probably won't be able to afford that. I answered it. Um, what, what did she have done? I don't get it. Rather than say, oh, she's, Jen's had a balayage and some pieces were in foil and some pieces weren't. We simply just put, we just lightened the hair up with a few panels. That's enough for somebody to go, that's what I want. I want a few panels. And then we started getting these women coming and going, I want this, please. And I'm like, Okay, where did you find us? Instagram. Ah, oh, okay. Where do you live? Bluewater and Essex and London. And I'm like, that's miles away. Like, London's two hours away. How, how? Why are you here? Well, because that that post spoke to me. And so that was the first time that I really realised the power of. Not only did we know our ideal client, and locally we had dominated that. But now local didn't mean local anymore because we're now dominating it on Instagram, which is like, what's local on Instagram? Hour and a half, two hours, people are driving down, having a haircut and having to drive back again. That's phenomenal. Yeah.
1: Were they sharing that post or were they finding it an explorer? How do you think it came into their
2: world? I think it was going into their explorer. Um Well, I know that it was going into their explorer. So they were stumbling upon it. They'd never seen or heard of us. One of the ladies that I was speaking to, she generally shops, like her eyebrows, everything is all in like Knightsbridge in London, which is like where Harrods is. And I was like, can we just think, why are you here? We're in Ramsgate. She said, well, such a beautiful salon. You look like a London salon. Of course it looks like a London salon. Sue's moved to Ramsgate from London. So I had to make it look like a London salon. So it's got that expensive, beautiful feel to it. Um We're more expensive than some salons in London. Well, most salons in London. We're a very, very expensive um, salon. But I think that adds to it because I knew that Sue shopped in expensive places and liked expensive things um even down to the paint that's on the wall it's all farrow and ball which is like a really exquisite paint that i know all my ideal clients use um and they all like to come in and guess the shades they all get it right that's really strange and they all have really weird names like elephant husk and some really strange names but yeah it it's just connecting on that deeper level yeah and what would you say to the beauty professional that's
1: thinking oh well i don't have The budget to be that high end salon, right? And I totally agree with you that, you know, when you have a certain standard, you're going to attract a certain type of clientele and clients will spend more money. And really, that type of client doesn't like a discount. The client that wants an elegant experience, the client that wants a higher standard, they really don't want the discount. They really like to feel that they are getting pampered. They like to feel that they are spending top dollar. I've even had clients that have said to me, I'll pay you double what you charge um, because they like to know that they're getting in when they can get in and they like to have this certain standard. And so it's different. It's an opposite kind of mindset shift from what a lot of beauty business owners think. Oh, I just need to discount my prices and that will attract the clients. And actually that doesn't attract a, you know, a higher clientele that is ready to pay premium prices.
2: No, it doesn't. And so. I'm going to answer the first question and then move into the second part of that. The first thing is, how do you start that off? Well, it's more steps, it's baby steps. So a massive lick of paint and a declutter, making sure that it's absolutely spotless, laying on the couch, laying face down on the couch, then putting those tiny little tweaks in like... When you've got your head through the couch, having like that wooden bowl with floating candles and floating flowers and oils in there. When the facial's on um, and the mask is taking, not running out the room to go and check your phone, doing a foot massage or a hand massage or something just to make it that extra bit. And then putting your prices up so that you then can afford to do the refit. Because those prices need to go up. And speaking to the whole discount thing, one of my friends come running upstairs so excited. And she was like, I have booked us all this treat and really lovely surprise downstairs is this beautiful woman and she's going to give us all a facial. And I'm thinking, that's an hour out of my time that I don't have but I'm going to go with it. So I went downstairs and had this facial. And this woman was a lovely bless her. She was so sweet. And she was so happy that like, she wasn't earning very much money. And she was so happy that three of us were all paying her. But she was so happy that she discounted it. So she gave this phenomenal service. And it was really, really good. My face felt amazing afterwards. I was just like, this is so, so cool. And she talked me through everything that she was doing. Now, I am your best Client, I don't know much about beauty care. I I bet, I mean, look at my face, I can barely put the makeup on. And so, if you do my facial and you tell me, like, I've used this on you and this on you, I'm buying the whole thing, like, because I don't have the time or the knowledge to figure this stuff out myself. So, I'm like, I'm buying everything. Just as she finished telling me before I got, I'll buy everything out of my mouth, she went, So. Would really love to rebook you. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I really, really enjoyed it. And she said, so I did like this massive discount for you today. And I've done it at 45, uh, no, it wasn't 45 pounds. It was 35 pounds. And so the facial actually worth 45 pounds or 55 pounds, whatever it was. Um, but I've done it for a massive discount for you today. Just so you can try it. And in my head, I'm like, well, it's not worth 45 pounds to me now. Because you've just done it for... 25, 30, whatever it was, I think it was 35 quid, but you've just done it for 35 pounds and now it's not worth 45 pounds to me. And surely if these products are as good as you're saying, they're expensive products. So you need to be charging the price, right? So now I'm doubting the products and I actually left without rebooking or buying any products for the first time in my entire life. And I share that with you because, you know, I think, When we're in an industry, especially in the hairdressing industry, if you say to my girls, you're not very busy in two weeks, what are you going to do about it? You need to figure that out and come to me with three solutions. I guarantee they'll come back with, can I do a discount? That's the first thing that comes out of their mouth. Even though we do not discount a single thing in the salon, I still have to have that conversation because I think the industry doesn't know it's worth and doesn't doesn't charge its worth half of the time. So I, I'm still having to have that conversation, like seventeen years down the line, when we've ne- we just don't do discounts since that day. We just never do them. And I think the beauty industry is the same. Like if you're quiet, I think both industries go, oh god, I need a client in the chair. Some money is better than no money. Let's do a discount. But then you've just entered into that exact same scenario that I just explained to you. If you're doing it for £35, it's not worth £45 to me. I would rather you charge me 45 quid and give me like a free little massage in the middle of it. Or you charge me the £45 and you give me a, a little oil like that you poured into a tiny little thing to take away and try. Because then I know that I'm paying the worth of the product. When you discount it, you cheapen it massively. People get addicted to discounts. They never get addicted to free. Oh, that's so good, Jennifer.
1: And so then when they say, I need, you say, give me three things. What do they come back with? Do they come back with? Oh. Yeah. Can we
2: do a discount? Can I send out a text message? Can I do social media? And I'm like, guys, Sales Funnel, Instagram, go. Like, we shouldn't even need to be having this conversation. You all know how to do it, but they doubt themselves you yeah. know and that's normal that's natural and i think we do like i think especially like my team are all employed so they don't have that worry of not having their wages but they all get commission. Mm-hmm. so you know they can earn as much as they like and the earning potential is massive so when i'm pulling their knowledge their attention around to the fact that they're not very busy it it's a pain because it's like oh okay i'm not going to earn any extra if i don't sort this out. So the panic sets in. And I think that's quite generic in our industry. Um, so the panic sets in and they're like, okay, um, what am I going to do? And it, some money is better than no money is the, the strategy that they run all the time. And yeah, I'm still trying to beat that out. Of them.
1: <laughs> and do you run the whole Instagram page? Just you? There's just one for the salon? Or are they expected to kind of post
2: on their own or how does that go for them yeah good question because actually there's a massive gdpr wrap around this whole thing um in england we have a massive problem i don't know what it's like in other countries but we have this thing called gdpr um we have to keep everybody's um information safe and um, to the law so all of my team have their own instagram accounts however i own all of the instagram accounts nobody has them themselves because firstly why would you let somebody else be in control of marketing your brand anyway that you don't have any control of. I just think that that's absolute crazy. And secondly, when people leave, I shut their Instagram account down. They're not taking those clients with them. They're not yeah. taking in their back pocket my client book. So although, and they are expected to post on there, they're expected to do stories, they're expected to do a sales funnel and run a sales funnel inside of their Instagram, and they're in control of building their brand. And, and I do that on our main page. Um, And the sales having a really cool key sales funnel inside your Instagram is so key to moving the needle on your business. I cannot tell you. We have a forty two percent new client percentage period like it do, it just doesn't drop because I'm on it every single day bringing those new clients through the business and and working and slaying because I think the thing with every industry with Instagram is they expect to set up an Instagram account, post to their ideal client and people are just going to find you. And yes, that does happen. It does happen. You know, how on earth do people from London and Essex and Bluewater find me and drive all that way? That was the Explorer page. But equally, I do an element of outreach. And, you know, that outreach, that Instagram sales funnel has even earned me Australian dollars like it's crazy. So it's landed in the inbox of some lady that lives in Australia who's from Ramsgate in the UK and whose sister still lives here. And she was like, oh, my God, I cannot believe that you've reached out to me. Like I can't come and get a haircut because I'm in Australia. That's a bit ridiculous to travel all that way. But my sister can and I would love to gift that to her. So we're even making money out of people that don't even live here because they're gifting things to people that do because somehow they're connected to somebody here. So I think, you know, for me, between the hours of nine to five in your business it's the sleigh hours. They're the hours that you need to be reaching out. To people and bringing them into the business every single day me and all of my team have to send out a certain amount of messages to get them in and the, the business just grows and grows and grows and grows and grows like come when we come back out of the last lockdown I grew the team by three new people two of them hadn't even been hairdressing for over five years so I had no clientele to bring with them one of them is one of my top earners um the other one um is part-time and then another one is full-time, but she did have a few clients from another salon to bring with her. This lockdown, as we come out of this in April, we're not out of it yet. We've still got about another six, seven weeks. When we come out of this, I've got another team member starting with me. The business is growing all the time. And it's because of the fact that between those hours, and nine to five, I'm slaying getting clients in.
1: Yeah. Are you reaching out by email or text or calling
2: or... So anyone already in the business is being outreached by text messages and emails and of course we're phoning them to book their appointments in purely because we haven't seen them for well it will be five months when we go back it's crazy my business has been open for three months in a whole year and yet we've managed to give four people jobs and we've only been open three months Wow. So yeah, we work, I work really, really hard on the business. Um But for people that aren't in, um in our e- ecosystem, yeah, then it's all Instagram DMs that we're reaching mm-hmm. out constantly, bringing them in, pulling them in. Yeah.
1: And so when you are talking to like, you know, new beauty professionals that are like, I don't have a staff to reach out. You know, this is all on me. You know, there's that whole, you know, I can just hear my audience saying two things. One, how do I, you know, start a funnel? And two, how do I find the time?
2: Yeah. So I'm going to address the time thing first. And this is going to be said with love. I think sometimes we need to kick up the pants, right? And I think the thing that I want to say to that is, have you ever seen an advert for a Lamborghini on TV? No. And you never, ever will, because the people that can afford a Lamborghini don't watch TV. Now, if you're telling me you don't have time, what are you filling your evenings with? It will be something, you know, maybe the gym for an hour, but or maybe dinner for an hour, that's two hours, I can't think of anything else that you may be doing in that time, apart from watching TV or getting prepped up for the morning or sleeping or visiting family or looking after the children. At some point, there's going to be an hour or two hours that you've got that you can spend. And do you know what? If you want to watch TV, that's absolutely fine. Do it whilst you're watching TV. But, you know, making sure that you're spending that time in your DMs, you only need to send out 40 messages a day. That's all you need to send out. If you send out any more than that, you're going to get shadow banned anyway. So cap it at 40 messages, but be present because they're going to be messaging you back. Okay. Right. So make sure that you're, you're present and you're there. You're, you're putting out good content and you're reaching out every single day. Now, it roughly takes about 45 minutes to reach out to 40 people. And, you know, it's a copy and paste message. You just got to find your ideal client and know where she's hanging out, you know, figuring out the hashtags that she's hanging out, looking at the local businesses that she shops and eats. Why do you think I asked Sue those questions? Because if I know where she's shopping and where she's eating and where she's drinking, they've got an Instagram account. There's going to be more of her on that Instagram account. So I just start like targeting their followers making sure that I check their page and have a look to see if they definitely are somebody that I want inside the business. The other thing you can do is in Facebook and Instagram adverts. And by, again, knowing your ideal client, you can really, really niche down. Like the cheapest haircut in my business is £74. Now, I want that client to be coming every eight weeks. So she needs to be able to put aside with product around 100 £110 every two months for us. So that's the equivalent to kind of £50 a month. I need her to be earning quite a big wage for her to be able to put that aside as well as all the other luxuries and things that she has in life. So when I'm targeting that client on Facebook, on the ads, I'm selecting, you know, earning over 60K, owning her own home, living in this area plus like four miles either either way. You know, niching right down, making sure that I've got my ideal client is really, really key. Um, and then... So Instagram funnels is literally if you think of an actual funnel, what we're doing is pouring people in the top. So we're catching. We're not catching. We're actually placing people into the top of our funnel. So this is the eyes on your business. Half of those people don't want anything to do with your business, and they're never going to go anywhere or do anything for you. But then the bit that comes out the bottom, the small bit at the bottom of a funnel, they're all your ideal clients, okay? So we need something to act as the funnel to catch them. So that would be a lead magnet or a DM. So there's two ways that I do this. If they land on my website, then I've got a lead magnet, which you simply just put your name and your email address in And you get a free download of uh, the Guide to the Perfect Consultation. Now, even if you don't want your haircut in my salon yet, you are going to want to know how to get a great consultation from your stylist. Because if you're looking for more salons, you're looking on my page, the salon that you're at isn't serving you correctly. So I know you're going to want the answer to that. So you're going to give me your email address and your name, which means you're in now my funnel. I can email you whenever I like. So that's the email way that we collect them. The way on Instagram that we collect them is we have this really cool message, which you have to figure out, first of all, you know, this is a sales copy, and you only get so many characters in a message. So you need to be really, really clever in how you type this out. I type it out on notes, and then copy and paste it. And I send it to my daughter gets so many messages. like, What on earth is this? I'm "I'm just trying to see if it sends, just ignore it. um so we typed that out and then it's got a link to a web page which just deepens it so it's like it's all about um the salon and we've created this hashtag called hashtag my hair smile and it's all about putting the smile back on local women's faces there's no discount i'm inviting you in for a full price cut and finish i'm not giving you anything i'm giving you what everybody else is getting but if you book it through this funnel and you say, you message me back and go, yes, I want it, then I'm going to give you a free conditioning treatment, which takes me no time, no money, but you're going to get something that your hair is really going to need. So I just talk through this and then I handle on the website page because I can't do a good sales page in an Instagram message. There's not enough space so I move them over onto a website page where I handle the pre-objections and we literally call them like the seven sins so it's the seven things that people say why they can't come oh well I feel like I'm cheating on my hairdresser oh I just feel like I'm starting again because then I've got to tell somebody else all about my hair and still not get the hair that I want so we just pre-handle all the objections and they just buy in it's such a clever sounds copy and it really explains who we are and what we do really really well so yeah and that equates to full percent new clients every single month I love that I love how you had the steps for
1: it I love how you laid that out and there's really like no excuses right because you figured it out I mean we going back to the beginning you know you ha- you didn't know how to do this I always say it's just like we weren't born knowing how to walk and we figured that out or drive a car, and we figured that out, like we can do complex things. And it's really not that complex. I'm just speaking to like, what you know, our, our audience is usually thinking like that sounds, you know, crazy, even though we've talked about these things before, but they, the seven deadly sins, the objections, we also have those in our own business, like our self limiting beliefs on why we can't do it. And so kind of overcoming your own self talk is really key there. And so then when the, I also love that I just wanted to add that you have the value boost, right? Because that's what an exchange of currency is, right? It's always, you know, an exchange of values, right? Mm-hmm. An exchange of you value my skills and then, you know, we're going to exchange the currency, you know, and value that. So I love that, that you do the extra deep conditioning, which beauty. beauty Professionals can think of something that they offer and a way that they can just, you know, add that little boost, add that extra value that's really going to make a big difference for the client. Was there a time that, you know, overcame, I mean, obviously you've overcome a lot of things. You can't run a business for 17 years and not overcome something, but was there a big lesson in that? Like that you were like, you know, this life lesson was one of the most valuable lessons or anything that you would tell your younger self that you wish you would have known?
2: Yeah, I think the Sue thing was really, really powerful. And when I figured that out, there was no stopping me. The business just grew and grew and grew and grew and grew and grew and and it's still growing. And it's like, you know, for anyone that isn't showing up as the face of the business, you really, really need to because when that business gets rocked, and please don't be naive to think that you're going to have a plain sail and that it's never going to be rocked because it's <laughs> like running a business is literally like a roller coaster. Um, when that business gets rocked, it's you that they want to see. It's you that they want to know that everything's okay. Um, and so showing up as the face of that business now was the best thing I ever did. So she left. So now I've got three people leaving in the same week. And I fly out to South Africa. There's four out of the business. That business took more money in those four weeks than it ever taken. Like the team that were left behind literally just went like, we're in this together. We're not letting Jen down. I don't care what's happening. We are crushing this. We are making this work. And they absolutely rocked it. Those four weeks are the highest four weeks taken we've ever had. (laughs) There was four
1: of us gone. And it really shows you, right? It really, you know, we have these preconceived ideas. I know so many of my students have said, even with COVID and lockdown, four months, they made the same amount of money when they can't, you know, for the year. And it just shows you, like, really what you're capable of, right? You know, in these moments where you just think this is going to be devastating. Um, Now, not all, you know, for some people, it has been devastating. But, you know, and especially I'm in California. So California, we had eight months of lockdown last year. And then about a month and a half, the beginning of this year, we're finally starting to open up. But, yeah, it's been crazy. Um, So yes yeah, so many good nuggets in that story that you were just telling and I wanted to pull out this one that I just thought of and that is putting your business all on one thing like never really you know whether that is you know putting all of your eggs in one basket as they say right and not relying on just Instagram because you know we've heard I don't know about you but I've heard about more people getting their accounts shut down you know, more than ever for random things like they're, they're following the rules. It's just, there's weird things happening there. So it, you know, and that's why you're saying you have the email and you're pulling them off those platforms because we don't own those platforms and just never having everything relying on one thing because it's too much pressure and it could crash.
2: Yeah, 100%. And I learned that lesson a, a very long time ago with Facebook. The beginning of the business was run through Facebook. Like, do you remember back in the days when you put a post out and a 100% of the people saw the post? Like, it was yes. crazy good. Like, I was spending all night a laptop on my lap. My husband was like, will you stop that clicking, clacking? I'm like, I'm booking appointments, babe. <laughs> this is really running good. <laughs> and I was just like, all night long, just like booking appointments, booking appointments. And then, then that got shut down. I lost my page and I was like... Are you kidding me? What am I going to do now? So I have learned. That was another lovely lesson. So like I say, like it is roller coasters, isn't it? It's like,
1: God, that is so well, true.
2: firefighting. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. But I love everything that you have really touched on and even gone deep in. Um, so many lessons here for the audience. So thank you so much. I have a final question. But before we do that, tell us where they can find you, all of the socials,
2: all of the ways they can connect with you. Okay, so in Instagram, this pangs me every time I say it. My name is Jennifer Louise, but the L in Louise is a number one because somebody who is not even using the account owns jennifer louise and it drives me nuts i send her messages literally weekly like i really want this name can i please have it and now i'm just like actually tell me what i'm just going to deal with the fact that it's a one and it's not a true l well so, you, yeah. that, that's just you are the number one
1: yeah give it that way like you should actually own it like jennifer louise the number one the one the, the one I love that. I'm taking that because that's yeah. making me feel so much better. <laughs> yeah. So they don't get it confused with any of the others. So you you should do it like you you meant to do it. And it's number one. So you always remember I'm the number one.
2: Love that, love that. So, yes, number one, Jennifer (laughs) Louise. Um, (laughs) I've got a Facebook group, which is the Salon Owners Social Media Marketing Group. So, you can come on in and join us there. Or Clubhouse. If you're on Clubhouse, then do come and follow us. I am, I got in there really early. So, I am Jennifer Louise on Clubhouse. I was like doing a little party when I got that. I was like, yes!
1: I love that. That's so awesome. Yeah. The clubhouse. And that's actually how we met through a clubhouse, um, room, I believe. And yeah, it was. Clubhouse is, I mean, I, I just love that this, you know, we have, um, we have a, a club, myself and, um, two others. It's called the PMU club, um, which is permanent makeup club, which is a lot of our audience. We've just the connections on, you know, clubhouse and the collaborations and the learning and, I mean, the the
2: platform is really just so exciting.
1: So much It exciting.
2: really is. I got my club this week. So my club's the Successful Salon Club. So come join yes. my
1: club, everybody. Is, is there something that we haven't covered that you would um, feel that you want to add to make this complete or, um, you know, not to put you on the spot, but your greatest words of wisdom? No, <laughs> Anything that you would like to pass
2: on? Yeah, I think... I want to hammer in the Sue thing. I think the secret to growing your business is finding your Sue. As I explained earlier, when you really honestly know that client and and you know yourself, so I think the first thing you need to do is figure out your identity. Who are you? Why should I pay you to do the thing that you do opposed to the person up the road that's doing the same thing? Get that hashed out. Get that written down. Get that in you, living and breathing. So whenever anyone says, oh, hi, hi. And what do you do? You're like, bam. And there it is in like clear, crystal clear clarity of a sentence, what you do and you feel good about it and you own it. Knowing your identity, then knowing your ideal clients that you can consistently connect with the right people to grow your business. Then understanding your core values and beliefs. That's the layering up for Sue. So she knows who you are because you know who you are, you know who she is, and now she knows what you stand for because you're consistently communicating your core values and beliefs. And that's the why, really digging deep. Why? Why do you use the products that you use? You know, asking that question, well, because they're not used on animals. Why is it important that they're not used on animals? because I hate animal cruelty. Well, why do you hate animal cruelty? Because it makes me feel really bad. Or why does it make you feel really bad? And just keep asking and asking and asking. And eventually you get to the real core thing that that core value and belief is about. And then you know yourself and then you know your business. And it's not until we do this hard work that we really understand the pillars that underpin the business. And then there's two things that I wrap around that creating the compelling future so what's the next thing that they can buy from you times three because we want to keep them in the business right we don't want them going anywhere else we want to hook them and keep them in and then creating that outstanding experience every single touch point from the time that they see you on instagram and facebook to the time that they pick that phone up or book online how does it all look and feel does it talk to sue Every single point when they come in and hit reception, when they're having their hair washed, when they're having their treatment put on, when they're having their hair cut, when we're teaching them how to blow dry it, when they're back at reception and going out, when the text message is hitting them to ask them to write a review. Does all of it speak to Sue? At that very point, that's when you turn your ideal client into a raving fan. And that's when the business starts to explode. I love that. I feel like I know Sue through you. Right? Like you
1: know what I mean? Like I feel like if I was to walk into your salon, obsession it was yeah. obsession, right? That if Sue was there, I would be like, This is Sue. Yeah. I would totally see her. I have a Sue, she's not her name's not Sue. I have one in my business both businesses. And I did that a long time ago as well, the ideal client. And and it was super powerful for me as well, and just knowing. Well, and what's so interesting about when you know who you, like you said before, when you know who you want to serve, you know, then who you don't want to serve. And it also is also what you won't tolerate, right? Because a lot of times we tolerate. So it's like, Oh, yes, this one, but you're tolerating all of this right here, right? And, and you get what you tolerate, really. Um, so. Jennifer, it was so wonderful talking with you. I know my audience is going to um, love this. They're going to hit rewind. And so guys, I'm going to have you, if you're hearing this, uh, take a screenshot listening to the podcast and put it up on social and you can tag Jennifer Louise with number one. Now you know how to do it. (laughs) I think we'll all remember that as well. And tag us both and let us know that you enjoyed this episode. So that's it for now. And we'll talk to you on another episode down the road. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Beauty Marketing Simplified Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love to hear from you. Make sure you subscribe, download, and also leave us a review. Let us know any topics that you would like to hear about and also definitely refer it to a friend. Thank you again for joining us. I'm signing off. This is April with Grit and Grace Hugs and High Fives. See you next week.